Welcome back to Geeks in a Pod. If you're joining us for the first time, each week we debate and discuss a topic as it pertains to movies, television, and all things media. My name is Derek Wall. With me today is... Art Show. Hey, this is Jeff. This week we are going to be discussing the latest tentpole movie release, which is a very kind of weird statement in 2020, uh, which was released by Disney. Uh, This was a movie that was delayed for about six months. Uh, We're talking about the live action adaptation of Mulan. Uh, This movie was recently released on Disney Plus, skipping theaters, barring a $30 price restriction that you need to pay in order to get what they call premiere access to this movie on the Disney Plus service. We all decided to jump into this, right? We wanted to see this movie. We wanted to talk about it. So, of course, we paid the price, I guess. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. <laughs> a, little pr- a little preview there. Not to, not to give anything up. Quite a way, but uh, what did you, uh, let's just start with that. What did you guys think of the movie overall? Oh, I'm disappointed. I, I don't know. That's like the best word I have for it right now. I, I'm sure we'll jump into in depth, but I think I was looking forward to the movie because I think Mulan is one of, I think, my favorite Disney films from the 90s. I think it means a lot. I think it's a film that means a lot to uh, Asian American folks who grew up uh, during that era. And, it, and all around, it was a great film back then. So, I mean, why not be excited for to see what Disney's going to bring to the table? And I think they dropped the ball. What about you, Arthur? It was bad. <laughs> I'm uh, out of words for how bad it was. No, 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 I'm kidding. No, I, it, was it was pretty bad, bad. But it was, you know, in a sense, they tried to do things a little differently. And I can respect them for that. But... You know, why mess with the formula that works is my question, you know? Mm, yeah, we can get into that conversation. Well, why why mess with a formula that works if you're going to screw it up so bad? Yeah, exactly. If you're going to bring something new to the table, do something a little better with it. One of the things I thought that was interesting, too, was that they changed Mulan's name, technically, to the Mandarin style of Hua versus the Cantonese style of Fa, which is what they did in the original cartoon. Mm. They changed a lot of things. There's, a, I think, a large part of this, and let, let's be 100% honest here, I think Disney is catering to the largest movie market, in the one of the largest movie markets in the world, and that is China. And I think a lot of the changes they made for the film were both in respect to and also to financially try to set up a success in that particular demographic slash country. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that that stems a lot of the change some of the changes that are made to the movie and some good, some bad. Yeah. And that's the problem. The original Mulan, for all its faults, and one of the biggest crying fouls back then was that Mulan was not Chinese, right? Um that was kind of the thing was like, that's not real Chinese. That's not how Chinese is. But I think Mulan back then was supposed to be, you know, par for the course of the time. It was an amalgam of Asian culture in general. I mean, yes, it was a Chinese story. Yes, it was set in China. But at the same time, I think its representation was just to be like more just general Asian in a certain sense. I mean, if I remember right, the hawk that Shan Yu uses was like named, it was like a Japanese name. It was like Hayabusa or something like that. Yeah, which is literally just Falcon. 
and literally just yeah. Japanese. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a different film in that sense. And Disney's made a lot of changes, both in a sense of making amends and making financial decisions. I, I don't know if it's a creative standpoint or the money standpoint, but something bit them in the ass for this movie and it didn't turn out as well as they hoped. Uh, before we get into too many details, like, I guess I'll just give my initial thoughts. I'm pretty much on the same boat as you guys. I don't think this movie is spectacular, really, in any way. It looks nice. Okay, yeah, I will give it that, and we'll probably talk about that. The, my problem with this movie, like a generalized issue with this movie, is that it rides this line of the... Uh, it rides the middle, if I were to say it that, that way, where it it has this kind of message of like women empowerment but then it it also the way the story is structured works against that it's being kind of championed as, as a product of uh, representation but it isn't it has partially some of the music from mulan but it doesn't it has a weird kind of mythical creature in it in, in it without committing completely to like the idea of mushu but right? not really yeah, so like it rides this middle ground that just doesn't let it excel really in in any way, I guess. Uh, not to be too harsh, because like, I mean, I hate to be so hard on a movie when I think a, a lot of people have already have, but overall, I just didn't really connect to this movie as much as I did the 1998 uh, animated version. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's let's get into some of those things. Okay, before we go too hard on this movie, is there anything good that you guys want to bring up? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I think, one, it's probably, by and large, one of the... It looks really nice. Yeah, I don't know. That's the best way to describe it. Um, You know, one can speak about, like, the cinematography and, like, maybe the choices that were made and all that, but it looks like a really nice, big-budget movie. I think the action, while I have my qualms with it, because, you know, like, you know, we all grew up with, like, martial arts action films and all that kind of stuff, and I was excited to see some of that. And I think they definitely toned down on that to a certain degree. It is Disney. They need to keep it PG-13. But it looks, you know, in action, it looks very nice. It looks very flowy. It does justice, or it tries to do justice to, like, that classical Chinese martial arts era TV shows and, and film dramas with like the uh, wire fighting and everything like that. And it, it's a very beautifully, it's just a very beautifully done movie in that sense. Visually, it's nice to look at. What about you, Art? Uh, I do think that the message it's trying to spread, which is, you know, women empowerment is not such a bad thing either. It's quite good, in fact. And, you know, I saw what they were trying to do with the main villain, or not the main villain, but um, the secondary villain, how she kind of helps Mulan in a sense and that's kind of like her quote-unquote coming of age like that kind of thing to try to kind of accept herself and you can kind of like I I think I give them props there for trying to do that it just wasn't executed very well but for the most part I would say that the yeah like you guys said the the movie itself looks pretty good it's just that it's not executed very well in terms of like writing that middle ground where it's not sure what it really wants to be. Yeah, yeah. it's it's an execution issue. And yeah, I actually, I'll follow up with what you said on that art is I really actually do like what they were trying to do or 
Rather, I can appreciate what they were trying to do with Gong Li's character. I think her name is Xiang Xiang Long or something like Xiang that. Xiang Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. God, God, that was one of the weaknesses of the movie. You can't remember any of the characters. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. But I, I really appreciate like they were trying to add this extra dimension to this character of like two women who are special. Uh, in this film for reasons we'll get into later and reasons I don't particularly like, but I like that idea that they're trying to present this two sides, not really black and white though, but Mm -hmm. it's the execution that falls flat for this movie on so many ends. That's really what it comes down to. This movie has great ideas and it's trying really hard to pull it to the present and honor like the old one, but it's executionally awful. Yeah. I guess you could say they executed themselves. Oh, wow. <laughs> Bad joke number one. Uh, so one of the things I really liked uh, to echo, but also expand on what you guys talked about, like I do think it's a visually very nice movie to watch, but I also really love the use of color in the movie. Um, I think about the very first time we, we go into like Mulan's settlement, uh, her hometown, Right. Which, um, you know, I don't get to geek out too much about these kind of things when we talk about movies, but like the the two little houses that they, they show in China, like those like round kind of like community housing. I thought that was a really great way to kind of represent her family, but also kind of the this, this structure or like the themes of family. Right. Like the, these people live in this kind of community uh, that kind of works together and, and lives together. And, and I think that really kind of hammers home the idea of family that I think is is really so present in this movie. And that's just like a really cool set, right? I was like reading up on it, like a lot of the exterior shots are actually the actual like um, house houses that you find in China. But then they actually built a four-story set for this thing. So I was like, man, that would have been so cool to be in. Like I said, when you when you first pan down into one of these settlements or her, her hometown, you, just the use of color that was great. It was just so vibrant, and it actually kind of reminded me of Black Panther. Like mm. you guys remember when they do like the the gathering at the the falls, right? And they just kind of pan down like everybody's yeah. like in different garments and different colors. I, I I got that same feeling, so I really admire that. Mulan world, let's do it. Mulan, Mulan, <laughs> Mul- Mulan land, Mulan land. Yeah, yeah, Mulan land. Yeah, just just uh, turn it and just change Epcot's China Pavilion into that. Yeah, right. That'd be really cool. I echoing kind of Jeff's sentiments. I I do like the character of Xianning, but you're right. The execution, the lack of agency she really has in this movie, is the disappointing part. Right. Like, I would have loved to have this bigger story that revolved around these two entities. But I, I will give credit that it, in the end, it, it kind of works. Like I see, like you guys say, we see, I kind of see what they're trying to do with it. And I appreciated that at least they went there. And like when I was reading up on this, like apparently her role was very, like a lot more minimal. And it was actually Gong Li as an actress who went in and said like, no, you need to rewrite my role mm-hmm. and to be more like this. So, like, I would give the actress credit in, in that in that regard too. But other than that, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, jeez, I think we need to like systematically go through this movie because I think there's so much potential good and yet so many drop balls in the process. Yeah, let's let's talk about further about this relationship between Mulan and Xianin. 
well, obviously we've gone way into spoiler territory at this point. Yes, sorry. <laughs> yeah. If, I mean, I was trying to and, avoid and, it. Honestly, That's why we have to say that. We have to say that because this is a movie that maybe people don't want to pay that thirty dollars, right? This is this maybe is a a uh, a review or a, a discussion on this movie that you will have to come back to at a later time when you know December comes around and you have Disney Plus and you don't have to pay that thirty dollars, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, we went ahead and paid it. We went ahead. And we're going to talk about it, but. Of course, if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, this is, I guess, where you turn around. Because we're geeks. Yeah, because <laughs> we're geeks and we wanted to watch this movie. <laughs> In a pod. And we, have a, <laughs> and we have a pod. Oh, no, I didn't want to watch it. I, I knew it was going to be bad. But, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, right. The previous podcasts are my witness. <laughs> I think... Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll kick it off. I think the lack... I think the potential of what this whole dichotomy between Gong Li's character and Mulan's character is probably like the biggest letdown of the movie because it had the highest potential to make this movie great and like really change the original story out a little bit. And for context, um, for those of you who haven't watched the film, spoilers ahead. Um, so for context is Mulan does all the same things in this film uh, the, some, the Roran army, not the hunt, not the Mongol army, but the Roran army is invading China and there's a call out for recruitment and her dad, who is older and mildly disabled at the time, um, has a bum leg, it gets recruited and Mulan decides to enlist in his place. Okay. So for the audience, that's, that's kind of the gist of the story, as you guys know. Um, but one of the biggest difference from the original 1990s film, and I think um, from the original literature, was that instead of Mulan just making this courageous decision to go ahead and take her father's place and hide herself as a, as a man, uh, one of the big changes they made to Mulan is Mulan is special. And she's not just special because she's a woman, and she's not special because she made a decision like that and went against her father's wishes. She's special because she's got chi. That was like one of the biggest changes they made to this, which bothers me so much. Yeah. And what bothers me also is that it's like they allude to the idea that if men have chi, they're still normal. Right. right? They're just good warriors. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, chi in women makes them have superpowers or, or it's just like women shouldn't have too much chi which means they yeah. shouldn't fight which is like I, I don't know like i think to me or i guess we're, before we even get into gong lee's part this is the one of the parts of the movie that bothers me the most mm-hmm. is that i feel like personally i feel like and and for the record i am a male and i am asian american born and raised in the united states so i just want to set that down this is where i'm coming from but for me, I feel like that robs a certain amount of agency from the character of Mulan that made her strong and inspiring, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, instead of, like, this woman who, you know, first she's out to prove herself and she's very capable, but but instead of her just making a decision, a difficult decision in a situation that is even more difficult because of culture or whatever you want to call it, she is no longer just set by that decision. And her strength is not from that decision alone. Her strength is now from that decision. And because she has extra life force slash maybe magic martial arts powers. I'll fight that notion a little bit. Like I did not get from the movie that she went because she had chi. 
right? right. I didn't think so either. Her decision, yeah. right, yeah. to take her father's place. That that's still like in the heart of Mulan. The fact that she's special and that she, for some reason, is better than the men because of her chi. That's where I take it. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Because in the in the original, well, at least in the original film, though, she was just as good as them just through pure training and, and cleverness, intelligence. Yeah. Well, I think it had more heart in the original because she actually failed. Like she was told to pack up and go back home. And she could have gone back home and been like, well, hey, you know, like, I guess I'm safe now, you know. Yeah, our family's safe. Been ended, you know, yeah. yeah, the movie would have ended right there. And it's like you tried your best. You weren't good enough. That's fine. You tried, you know, you tried to bring your family honor. That's it. But no, she actually be- was the worst and went to the top. But this one, there's not as much depth or impact because she was already good. Like, she was already really good at what, at like being a quote unquote warrior and having this chi. So it kind of just lessens and dampens the whole movie in a, in a sense. Well, I feel like it dampens like, uh, her character, like a little to a certain extent, right? I mean, yes, her decisions are own, but she excels not because of her own, not because of like you know her hard work and her strength and her inte- and her cleverness, but she excels because she's got excessive chi. Well, okay, let, let, well let, let's look at it this way: like if you got rid of the character of Gong Li, right, the the person who actually has superpowers, mm-hmm. like it could have been reason that people just say she has chi. As a reason, right? As a way to explain her abilities or explain her proficiency in martial arts and stuff, right? Where, like, by the end of the movie, they could recognize, like, no, it's not the fact that she has chi. It's the fact that she's a woman and she's trained really hard and she's naturally good at this. But the second you introduce a character that has magic because of her chi, then you have created this special connection with chi right mm-hmm. then then you start to wonder well is mulan good because she's good or is she good because she has chi right and that's the f- problem i think that i have with this chi th- thing yeah I, yeah i mean that that's just it but i mean building it just gets on... a little uh cheesy oh, oh, wow. <laughs> wow i mean admittedly that was good but wow <laughs> So beyond that point, though, like if we are to accept this whole new dimension of the character of having, you know, I'm going to go out and say it's superpowers. If we're going to beyond go go beyond that dimension, fine. Let's introducing Gong Li is a Gong Li's character and what she represents is an interesting foil to the good versus evil notion because they are both special superpowered women in this particular case superpowered individuals quite frankly and one decided that she was that she was being abused slash discriminated against and the other one decides to use it for good quote unquote so i guess i and but i don't think they really worked very hard to develop that relationship that dichotomy that conflict at all so all it really turns into is just extremely convenient and too much lost opportunity for the like for the entirety of the film something that um one of my friends said because uh, we watched together was if they actually made this into like a series like a mini series and just kind of extended it and kind of added a little more depth to every character i think that would have been actually very good because this one just seems so cramped and rushed that it just you really have no idea what like where did that really come from you know how did that character 
really get from A to Z. Because, yeah, you're right. If we had more time with Xianning's character, yeah. I think I could have really appreciated her character more because I think she does would, in a, in a sense, have a really interesting backstory, right? This mm-hmm. person like, like Mulan who showed her proficiency, showed that she had skills, but you know she was shied away and and disowned and or dishonored and 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 taken away from her home because of her abilities like that that's an interesting idea right that like she's not accepted as a woman and that's what led her down her path right to be kind of the quote unquote villain of this story and i mean that's one of my other problems with this movie is that what used to be kind of attributed to Mulan, right? Like in, or in the 1998 version of Mulan, we had like both a story about family and honor, but also a story about women empowerment, right? Like mm-hmm. she realizes, or everybody realizes that, you know, women are, are, are equal as to men. And, and, and that's kind of part of Mulan's journey in, in the sense that I feel like that's something she wanted too. Uh, was to be recognized as an equal in that movie versus that doesn't seem to be the case at all in this movie, right? Like they completely remove that from her character and attach it to, I feel like, Xian Ying's character. Well, I mean, it, in a sense, I think it's it's detaching this whole notion or it's detaching the whole idea that like women are equal to men and or you know they can serve in the same capacities and all that kind of stuff and instead it's become a little bit more of a story of people with excessive chi are the same and approachable to everyone else and they can participate in you know these capacities uh, official capacities like i think it takes a little bit to me it takes away from the idea of female empowerment a little bit because it's just it's not the fact that they're a woman it's the fact that they have well they have superpowers back to the superpowers argument like i think that's that's kind of what they made this basically it's become an x-men movie well i guess my point is more though like it's less about the chi i mean it is about the chi thing but there is still like i feel like a a conscious choice by the a conscious choice by the writers to kind of create this interesting dichotomy between the overt expression of woman empowerment, right? Mm-hmm. It has like female leads. It has a female director. It has one that really, you know, one's kind of goal in the story is to be like seen by men. Mm-hmm. But then the message also subverts this by pre- presenting this really like, like it feels like the main story really is only about honor and family, right? It never really comes to terms with like Mulan being a woman in the Imperial Army, right? Mm-hmm. It like what was a bigger deal in the 1998 version, right? Where she she only you know remember when she like reveals herself, like or she accidentally gets discovered, right? Because she gets injured and they they have, they have to check her wounds and seize her body. Like the only reason she's saved is because the commander recognizes that she saves everyone, mm-hmm. right? Like in this movie, and and that I felt like was a bigger moment than what really happens in this movie. Like in this movie, it really isn't a moment. And in that movie, people like, you know, Shang and even her friends kind of disown her for like a hot second, right? Before she comes back and professes like, you know, everyone work with me. In this movie, it was just so easy, like, right? That like she comes back and everyone's like, 
yay Mulan, let's just follow Mulan. Well, I mean, I mean, I kind of refute that a little bit because I think what they were trying to do with this movie was that Mulan was discovered last time, cast out, and then still came back to prove herself. In this particular film, they were trying, again, this becomes the, they tried to cram too much and they were taking too much of the middle road, but they tried to do something, what they tried to do was Mulan, the, the crux of this movie was Mulan accepting herself for who she was. And she made that conscious decision to let her hair down and run into the battlefield and do everything that she did there. And then was like kind of rejected or cast out, dishonorably discharged uh, from that point and then went back. Mm -hmm. Right? Like this one actually, it was Mulan's decision to reveal herself as a woman and let them decide if they accepted or rejected her. And in this case, they still rejected her anyway. So I think in that particular sense, I, I actually really like what they did there or what they were trying to do there. Again, I think execution was very flawed, but I, I really like the idea, the second dimension of, oh, it's not just Mulan is hiding herself as being a woman, but here it's not only is she hiding herself, it's actually emphasizing that she takes pride in that and she also takes pride in, well, her superpowers in this particular case. Okay, I, I get your point. I get your point. Okay. Right. But again, I think it was, a, it was a jumble of ideas, though. But then I would refute that these are the same ideas that we saw in the 1998 version that just seems that did it better. Yeah, it right? definitely they did, did it, it better. They, 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 yeah. they just leaned more into what they decided to do. And it was just, they just went with it. I think this one was trying to walk some weird tightrope. Incidentally, I do remember reading an article previously in the past that one of the complaints of the original film, at least for Chinese audiences, was here we kind of celebrated Mulan's like individuality in the original film because that's a very mm -hmm. American mindset thought process. But I think one of the critiques, at least the original Mulan in the previous film, was the fact that, you know, like, oh, a real Chinese person or legendary Chinese person wouldn't like strive so hard to be an individual because traditional Chinese culture is much more community oriented and you wouldn't go against them and try to like set yourself out you would only do it for like the family community nation i refute that remark because why bother having emperors then right well the emperor's like the head honcho he had to set himself out like you read all those stories about how they went to like different lakes and sought different seers and stuff like that they have to have some individuality i get what you're coming from because like confucianism right there's this very big honor-based um family-based uh society but i don't think that it actually takes away individuality i think it's just more so that people have a certain etiquette that they must take which is what they were trying to do with the whole womanhood thing like you have to act a certain way be a certain way that kind of thing well, I'm not agreeing with that idea. I'm just saying I think that was a very common complaint slash perception of the original film, at least from my own, from what I've read in the past. Before we move on from the Zhang thing, I, I mean, we I know we've been kind of hard on it with the whole Chi thing and, and her character not being established. But I will say that I think that she is still probably one of, if not, you know, the best thing about this movie. Mm-hmm. In the sense that the potential of that character, but also like I still think what they did with the character was good. It just wasn't 
amazing or great. You know what I mean? Like it, it just, it's there. It's there. It's like almost there. And like, I, I was actually very compelled by her story by the end. Right. And I think that's something that, that's the thing though. Her story is probably the best, most interesting thing because after that, I honestly can't quite remember the names of any of the other characters. Well, let's get into that. So this this goes into my like, something I want to talk about, like the difference, or I mean, we've already kind of been talking about this, right? This versus the the actual or the nineteen ninety eight version, right? As a remake, right? I think before I went into this movie, I was actually really excited because the trailers made it seem like this was going to be a departure like a vast departure from the 1998 version and to my disappointment it was a lot more similar than i wanted it to be i know it doesn't have the music it doesn't have mushu but it still has the love interest right of basically shang is 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 replaced by hong yu right well two guys right because technically commander tongue could be considered uh i never saw it that way I, I mean for me i always read it as just the huang huang he character but yeah, i mean if that's how you read it like you could see yeah. that too i mean it literally has the same characters right po po, po yao and, and ling right those are the yeah. same characters aren't they yeah same ones yeah so and there's a character named cricket right which is she, supposed to be the cricket yeah <laughs> supposed to be the cricket right yeah. Yeah. Cricket. He says something a line about like oh i bring luck you know or yeah whatever. and he shoots arrows behind his back and then, you know, there's the same kind of beats, right? The matchmaker, the running away, and then the training montage, and then finding these dead soldiers, and then the avalanche. Like, it was almost like a beat for beat, but not really. I think I might have liked this movie, and I what I was expecting from this movie was to be more different. I honestly felt it was different enough, especially because... I guess, you know, the hawk is, or the, the falcon is actually like someone that actually can become a person. That's a pretty different thing. Same mm-hmm. thing with like, it was the Huns before, and now it's the Rurins, which is a proto-Mongol army. But it's just, it's a lot of different countries and, well, not countries, but it, it's a different group of people. They're supposed to be the ones that kind of established the Mongolian army like later on. But yeah, it's just this this group of people, you know, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I feel like the one thing that was really missing was the characterization of others, which was in the 98 version. So I felt like that was very different because in the 98 version, even though it was shorter, you had a lot more characterization from the friends, for instance, and they had like different, different attitudes, different likes and dislikes, and you actually kind of grew to like them versus Mm -hmm. in this one. They're hardly there. Yeah, I mean, they're like they're, they're, they're very they're, low. Yeah, they're Sorry, hardly they're hardly featured. Is the problem, and and I think that's one of the things that uh, I mean, this is kind of going into like more second order discussion, but it's that's one of the things between animation and live film, right? With animation, like the way you draw a character can mm-hmm. tell you a lot about that character off the bat, and that's not to say you can't do that in live film, but that's a lot harder. I feel like they had more lines in the oh, they cartoon did. as well. Well, they so did. I mean, they got cut out of the, yeah. the lake scene, right? Yeah. They, yeah. Like, as much, I mean, if you think about the 98 version, like, the, the training montage, like, there's a lot of them in it, too. Yeah, right? exactly. Like you don't see, it's those small moments that I think art is trying to 
talk about that aren't, aren't you don't get that here, right? Right. Yeah, and that's why I establish it different enough to where it's like it is a separate movie because it it misses a lot of elements. I think the I think it's just I agree with Derek that it almost feels not beat for beat, but sort of you know stage for stage the same mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. which you know is fine. It works for the Disney live remake formula, which I'm sure we'll discuss about in the future in total. But the problem is, is I think. This film really wanted to try to be something different. And it had either two or like this film had two options. It was either going to lean hard on like the original or it was going to go completely divert or or it should have went completely divergent because there's too many ideas running around for this film. And it comes down to like, again, they try to walk in between the whole middle and the other and the extreme of completely changing it. And I don't think they were successful in either one by any means. And I think Mm -hmm. some of the other remakes have done that a lot better. They either stuck really hard to the original and most of them have been okay, or they went kind of much farther away than the original and they were more successful because they were able to kind of capitalize on those new ideas without being constrained by the original chapter for chapter um, storyline. Yeah. One change that like really, really didn't work for me. And I'm not saying that I would have wanted Mushu. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I think that the choice to not have Mushu is actually a good one. Because I think if you had this really heavily comedic role of this tiny dragon with you the whole time, I think it would have taken the movie in a very different tone. Voiced by a black man. Voiced by a black man, yeah. Um, but I think the addition of the phoenix in... Re- almost in in lieu of Mushu was a really bad choice. Like it, it added no, de- I feel like it added no depth to this m- movie. Is it really just there to guide her? Like, is that it? I mean, cause she's the only one who could see it, right? She's schizophrenic. She's schizophrenic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> is she, is she seeing things? Nice. She's seeing colors. Anybody else seeing this? Not yeah. Me. I don't and know. the most atrocious moment was like near the end of the movie when it like comes up right right behind her, and like the wings are like splayed out. Oh, you and... mean you mean the you mean the Game of Thrones Daenerys moment? Oh, I'm thinking the Instagram 2017 moment, right? <laughs> Where this it's those stupid like angel wings that are painted everywhere nowadays, so people can just have an Instagram moment. Oh. Like that's what I thought of. I was just like, okay, this is a little too cheesy. And if that's what this Phoenix is culminating to, this was a waste of time. Yeah. And just, yeah. So I think that was definitely the thing I think is the weakest part of this movie. That was the strangest, like every single time you saw the drag, you saw them, sorry, not the dragon, the uh, Phoenix, you were, I, I honestly, I was asking myself out loud, is there actually a bird that she's seeing there? Or is that like, invisible or is that symbolic like what is it mm-hmm. it's it's like ko from pokemon you know like you're lucky to see it and so she's the only one lucky enough to see that thing or, or you know what that kid ash was messed up to begin with father runs <laughs> off like when he was like one year old let's be honest his dad is probably professor oak all right this, this is, is completely we have, we have gone off the rails <laughs> this has actually so that actually kind of brings it um to me it bring it brought me back to like because what i was saying before is like there's a part of me that wish they didn't try so hard to change things seeing how poorly executed it was and it i was just missing things the entire movie i felt like i was like i I miss the humor 
Okay. I, I, mean, I would have leaned the other way. I would have wanted it to be even more different because I, I, I absolutely don't want it to be a shot for shot remake. Like I, I don't like this trend of, I mean, if you're talking about 2019's Lion King versus this, I still would have preferred this, right? Oh, as yeah. much of a mess as I think this is, I would have still preferred this to that movie because that was just a shot for shot remake that really didn't, didn't feel like it had any kind of like heart or soul to that movie Yeah. versus at least we're talking about this movie and we're talking about the things they tried to do and, and, and maybe it didn't succeed, but at least like I give them a for effort, right? Uh, C, C for Chinese. C for Chinese. Jeez. I also wanted to talk about, I guess we always, we we always, we have to do this. We, we have to talk about representation, right? And this, this is an interesting case, right? On the surface level, all Asian cast, and there's some pretty heavy hitters here, right? Yifei Lu is not, I mean, maybe not known for American audiences, but has a great, a pretty big fall in China. I mean, people might recognize Donnie Yen from uh, Rogue One. Uh, uh, help me out here. It Man. Uh, it Man. Uh, Gong Li is also a, apparently a very uh, famous Chinese actress. I'm not oh, too yeah. sure. Yeah. She hasn't really had a lot of American, um, American, American yeah. roles. I think the last big one is Miami Vice or something. Yeah. Or Memoirs of uh, a Geisha. Sorry. Yes. Memoirs of a Geisha. Yeah. Jet Li, of course, everyone knows. Yet uh, no one knew who he was in the whole movie. <laughs> oh, I, I knew right away when I saw him. Uh, I mean, Jason Scott Lee, right? Yeah. Um, Played uh, Bruce Lee. Um, and then, uh, you know, everyone's uh, the quintessential Asian dad, Zima. Zima. Right? everyone's favorite asian dad you know on the surface this is great i mean this is like and it's not and a lot of these aren't even asian american this is like a chinese cast in a what is kind of i mean marketed but for both american and america and china right right but then when you look behind the scenes that's where you start to see the issue or at least that's what i'd like to bring up and i i Wanted to get him on this week. Uh, it's it's my co-host um, Jeff Zhang from Strange Harbors because he he puts it really uh, nicely in his. Um, he doesn't review the movie; he kind of discusses the movie, kind of like what we're doing. And he's the one who kind of brought it to light for me, right? Like, if you look at the actual directors, the producers, and all the writers, none of them are Asian. Yeah, they're all mm-hmm. white. I think. They are all white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was wondering, like, when it was directed by Nikki Caro, I'm like, why is it Nikki Caro? Why not? I mean, to give to to well, to, to like to talk about the '98 version. I mean, it also isn't like full of Asians in the behind the scenes either. There was, I believe, one Chinese producer. So I'm not saying the director had to be Chinese. I'm not saying all the writers had to be Chinese or all the producers. But like to have none, that is a statement right mm-hmm. that representation just can't be our actors right and the ones that we see on the screen i think it also adds cadence to a, a movie when some of the writers or the director or some of the producers are of that nationality because a lot of things we're talking about right the things that are lacking may have been made up if someone was thinking of it with, with that mindset right of of being someone maybe from china or you know what I mean? Knowing the background of this story or, you know what I mean? Right. Or someone yeah, who's had I mean, previous experience that can maybe relate or make it more relatable in a way. Yeah. They yeah. had access to someone like Deborah Chow, right? She's done the Mandalorian before. Why not at least 
pass it by someone who is Asian, you know? Well, actually, yeah. to be fair, do we know, actually, if they actually went through Debit Chow on that one? Like, no, they, they I definitely mean, didn't. Know. She's not in any of the... Uh, no, I mean, do we know if they, like, reached out to her for it? But to, we don't know. I, I don't, I'm playing don't, a little bit of devil's know. advocate, yeah. but we don't know the backdoor dealings, right? We don't know who they reached out to first. There was certainly a lot of rumors, but ultimately it was a non-Asian director and fairly, well, pretty much completely non-Asian uh, production team. But let's be honest, Disney's the one hiring, right? Like they could be looking if that, if that person passed, they should keep looking and not just settle. I mean, not to say that they settled for Nikki Caro or any of whatever the writing staff is. It's like there is a conscious choice that can be made, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like we're going two steps forward with movies like The Farewell and Crazy Rich Asians and then one step back with a movie like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't helping. It, well, it, I consider yeah. all of those steps backwards just to be okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, no, you're wrong, Art. Uh, <laughs> you do not speak for us. Yeah. Uh, well, then, hey, don't speak for me. <laughs> Get off the cast. We're speaking for you because those are, those are, those are generally good movies and, high, you know, well-regarded. Well-regarded, but and also cast that is Asian and then also behind the camera or, you know, the producers or, or whatever that are of Asian descent, right? Like, it, it comes full circle with those, but this one is just lacking one element, and it really, I think it really shows at the scenes because of it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I think, no, that's something that, um, especially in this day and age, in this era of, like, you know, with social justice being kind of like the highlight of the news for the past several months, I think it, it does speak of something. And, you know, those, we've spoken about Asian American representation in the past, too, on our pod um, and our previous pod, mind you. So it is something to keep in mind and it makes you, it does really make you wonder, like, was this, was all the, all the misgivings we have about this film and like kind of the pulled direction, the different directions it's being pulled into, is that a result of really someone that doesn't really quite appreciate or can't quite empathize with the culture trying to pull it in different directions? Or is that simply just creative choices on its own? So I I think that says a lot too, because I think one of the strengths of The Farewell and the strengths of Crazy Rich Asians was it came from cast and production and higher up production folks who probably were able to inject some of that cultural aspect of it, uh, which, you know, I think it makes a difference. Uh, definitely in the farewell, it, it absolutely made a difference. It was essentially partially autobiography. So it's a fair question to ask: Was this a fail? Was this a potential reason this movie failed? Because I, I honestly think, and I do think it failed. We don't know if it would have been better if if the things were different, but y- you never know. And we, those are just things you have to bring to light, right? Right. And we have to question. All right, so this is the question I think everyone wants to know. Do you uh, do you miss the songs? I like the kind of background music that they did for it, like kind of respectfully to respecting the songs a little bit or kind of injection of like the one-liner. Hey, I remember that song. I remember that line. It comes down to, for me, which direction I really think this movie would have been more successful. Would I have preferred it just to be like a more shot-for-shot back-to-original 
inject more of the comedy beats, make it more lighthearted, or do we want to go in a completely different direction? In which, in which case, no, you don't need the music in a completely different direction. I don't think. Well, what do you want it then? I think it would if if it went back to let's um, if I were to use an analogy, Beauty and the Beast. Would can we agree that Beauty and the Beast was essentially mostly a beat to beat, without being exactly the same, but essentially beat to beat of the old one. Yeah, yeah, with a little bit of injection of new stuff you either like or don't like, but it included I the music. I it, so I can't really say. Yeah. Well, I, I watched it, and for me, it, but for me, I thought it actually did really well, and it kind of injected a little bit of a new flavor to the music too. So to me, that worked. I would say, like, out of all the Disney remakes, the ones that are like shot to shot don't work for me. Like Aladdin, Lion King. Beauty and the Beast, but the ones that do kind of work for me, I mean, would kind of be, th- I would say this one and uh, Jungle Book, right? Mm. I like, I, I, I think Jungle Book was a pretty good kind of adaptation without being shot for shot. So I don't know. I guess I'm on the other side of it, right? Like I, I do like that in this movie they kind of use some of the the songs as like background music or like you know as part of the the score mm-hmm. what i don't like are the stupid one-liners that were lyrics from the movies yeah i really it felt like super out of place uh some of them they were just saying things i'm like and you just imagine like art over here like nudging you like huh Huh? Did you hear that? Oh God, he probably would have. He, he, if we were sitting in a theater, he'd be just elbowing both of us. <laughs> I loved it. I loved all those lines. <laughs> of course, she would. The favorite line for him uh, is, "We're going to make men out of you." Yeah. Ah. Ah. Yeah. Like that really didn't work for me. So I mean, I don't think I miss the songs per se, but I understand what you're saying that the songs in itself came with this. Uh, change in tone, right? It made it more lighthearted. It made it more fun. Mm-hmm. And I do think that is lacking in this movie. Like the training montage didn't seem as fun. Mm-hmm. Dude, they booted someone out for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dang. <laughs> I thought you guys needed everyone. Yeah, everything was just not as fun. Like I we, I mentioned the lake scene, right? It's just like this moment between Mulan and Hong Hyu. But like in the 98, 90, 1998 version, it was like this kind of comedy relief moment where like, you know, Po, Yao, and Ling come in. Right. Yeah. I thought that was fun. And like, yeah, yeah like, you, have, you know, having the songs created more entertainment, t- entertaining set pieces that I think this movie is lacking because – yeah, I was gonna. I would say I don't know if I had like a ton of fun in this movie. I honestly no, didn't. definitely not. There were there weren't as many jokes either. Like it just wasn't a really jokey movie. You know, and yeah. but the pro- thing is, that's fine if you are able to like lean into all those changes and make the movie your own. But when you're trying to like w- do this weird tightrope, you have a very fine line of making this work. And yeah, I, and I'm, I'm not just saying failed. against that. I'm just saying that yeah, it there were no jokes. There was there was kind of no heart in the movie. I don't want to say that, but yeah, and the movie really just has to look at its own reflection and start. Never mind. Oh, here's Jeff with the joke. Wow. I know, I know. Wow. Hey, someone's got to give it. Someone's got to give it in if Art's not going to say anything. What did you guys think of this 
hammering home. I, I felt like it was like hammering home of this idea of like family. Like I, I feel like it's a West. It's now become more of this like westernized, westernized idea of what Chinese people are. Like that we're like super about family, right? I mean, like that, that's what exactly what the farewell is. But it's it's a different when like a Chinese person telling that story versus like now that I know this is all like white writers, right? It, it just feels like oh, that's what we're about. We're about family and we're about honor, and like that's why she had to like. That that's her new decree, right? It was like tr- young or what was it? True, loyal, brave, brave, loyal, and true. true, loyal, brave, 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 brave true, and, loyal, and, brave, and true, loyal, brave, and true. And then the the last decree was like family or whatever, right? Like honor to one's family. Actually, she said a lot about the country too. It's like yeah, my duty is to serve the emperor and the country and stuff like that. She, I, that's true. That's true. But I just feel like now it's become this. Like I'm afraid that like now like that's the narrative that's kind of around our culture right like moving forward is that what we're uh, all of our movies are going to be about is just like family right honoring your family that's that's my fear is that what that's what people kind of see i mean i think there is a good measure of truth there to a certain extent like i I mean exactly what i said i mean the farewell is about family it's about honor Mm -hmm. but it's different when it's it's written by one of your own yeah right there's this weird unsettling feeling when I know it's not written by someone of Asian descent. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's what they see in us. So that's what they write for us. Mm -hmm. And that makes me worry. Right. It's like the idea that all Asians are martial artists or um, Mm -hmm. something like that. Truthfully, I think that this is if you remember back to the beginning of the episode i alluded to this that i think this i think that whole focus was actually something to attract the chinese market Mm. i actually because i i i think i mentioned this midway through the pod was that one of the critiques that i read about the original and, and it is a critique and i don't you know it's not necessarily you know something i know too much about or or not not my own views per se, but one of the critiques of the original was that the Mulan from the original animation was extremely individualistic in a way and kind of strove for her own, trying to honor her family, trying to balance that. But to many people in China, supposedly, that was viewed as, well, that's a really Americanized, Westernized lens mm-hmm. because that is not how they see things in China. Now, I don't live in China. I don't really know. Uh, and again, I, that, that's apart from my personal views. But to me, I see that as more catering to the market over there. Which isn't working because currently it's not doing very well over there. <laughs> For lots of reasons. I think the, no, this, yeah. yeah. I mean, this, this, yeah. this film has a lot of other problems besides the quality of the film itself. And it, most of it surrounds nothing to do with the actual film. I actually don't agree with necessarily that assessment that like like it might paint like this stereotype that we're all about family because i i think very much it is true so like i don't see that as being harmful in a sense because if it's true already it's kind of going to be true regardless so i don't think that they meant any harm by it and i don't think that they meant to insult in any way either sure no i guess what i'm afraid of is that that's what our stories are amounting to now, right? True or not, 
Crazy Rich Asians is a lot about family and culture clash and family and culture. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, the farewell is a lot about family. This is a lot about family. Like, yes, it's true. And I mean, we all three of us will be the first to admit, like we love our families. Like we, you know, like it, it is a big part of who we are too. Like as Asian Americans. Right. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's just exclusive for Asians or Asian Americans, but like, yes, it is a big part of our culture, but I don't need all of our stories about Asians to be about family, mm-hmm. right? Oh, like, yeah. I just, yeah. that, that's what my fear is, right? right? I, I don't would, want somebody writing our story and then it's all just about family. I would actually blame more the source, like the source history than like the source writers and everything. Because all the Asian Americans do write about family, you know? like So that's almost something that has to change from within us then. Because yeah. well, we I mean, have to be the ones to say, hey, no, we're not a, all about just Kung Fu and family and getting straight A's, you know. We're about other things, too. Like, hey, we like podcasts. Hey, we like, I don't know, like uh, Marvel and DC and whatever, you know. Like, we like other things. We have to bring that up. I was like, we kind of fit some stereotypes in that, too, don't we? <laughs> um, just saying. Just no, saying. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I agree with it. And and I agree with our sentiment that it, it's probably harmless intention, intention-wise. But I also understand where Derek's coming from, where by the end of the day, this is still, even if it is a stereotype, and all most stereotypes come from some degree of truth or some perception of truth, it's still a stereotype. And now it's not just a stereotype that we're just hearing on the street or whatever. This is a stereotype being put on the big screen, shipped out to the world, is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is bothering him because it, it it's just sort of like... It's it's an export of the of the stereotype to the world, and it's more well, I, widespread I, yeah. than ever. Yeah, I understand that, and that's why I'm saying we need to change. We need to be the ones to flip the script, not necessarily right. the other people that are writing for us. Then we need to be the ones coming out with different stories too. Yeah. Which again lends itself to Asian directors and Asian producers. Yeah, Asian yeah. writers, Asian yeah. writers. And if they continue to write about family, then. You know, that's kind of their fault, right? Oh, hey, I mean, yeah. it's worked for the Fast and the Furious franchise. I mean, one credit I will give the writers, I'll, I'll kind of give them credit, but it's so surface level that it's like hard to really like think like, is is this a good thing or not? Um, have you guys read the original Ballad of Mulan or like the translations of it? A mm, little bit. Yes, very roughly, but yeah. The, this movie takes a lot from that. Yeah, it does. Uh, like the 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 beginning of the movie where she talks about the rabbits is yeah. straight from the ballad, right? The reference of the the emperor as the son of heaven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like straight from the the ballad. So I, I think more so than even the 1998 version, this movie tries its best to like pay homage to that. So I, I do give it credit in that way. But it is, like I said, just so surface level, right? It's not nothing that really impacts the movie. I've never read the ballot till doing research for this. So it was actually really interesting for me to read it. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of things that like a lot of people don't know that she actually did have siblings in the yeah, original. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Like even a brother. Yeah. She has a, 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 a older sister and a younger brother in, in the yeah. ballot. And what's interesting is also like in the ballot, she, she you know, like it's a movie creation for her to have defeated, like her being the one to defeat this army. Right. Right. 
like she's like essentially like this recognized hero in the movies, but in the ballad, she's just the person that goes off, fights in the war, comes back, and it's not until after the war that she reveals who she was, right? Yeah, and then the emperor actually calls her to be her bride, uh, be his bride. And like, oh yeah, sorry, another thing is that before she leaves, she is asked by the emperor to be part of her royal guard or whatever, or the guard. Yeah. Right? A, a commander, and like, I guess that, you know, that's taken from the ballad too. And she refuses, and she says that all she wants to go wants to do is go home. I, I do, like I say, kind of respect that the writers try to take from this ballad and, and respect this ballad a little bit more than I think the ninety eight version does. I'll give it. I'll give it that one thing. <laughs> Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, did you guys have anything else to mention or talk about? No, I think we wrapped it up. I. By the end of the day, I wish it, I wish it was. I wanted this movie to be good. I really did. I uh, totally agree with that sentiment. I uh, I had really high hopes. God dang it! I paid Disney thirty bucks. Now, now they're gonna paid. now they're gonna think they can get away with this in the future. That's the thing, man. <laughs> Let's see what that happens. Freaks me out. They, no, they've already acknowledged their mistake. So <laughs> I don't know if they will do something like this. Like not necessarily the the, the payment, but I don't know that they're gonna do this different of a story next time you know oh i don't care about that i just care about the payment thing oh, oh I, yeah <laughs> i i think he he's talking about like is disney plus now going to or disney going to start the monetization disney plus and monetizing yeah. it so that yeah. we watch it early mm-hmm. i also i'm fearful like we're yeah. we're three people that have given our money to you know disney and it's like mm, did that did we just tell them like hey oh People are willing to pay. Let's do this for Black Widow. Let's do this for, uh, you know, we should have released Artemis Fowl this way. No, you shouldn't. Oh, God, don't watch uh, Artemis Fowl. I mean, I mean the more yeah. that they do this, the more bad rap they're going to get, and the less likely it will happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, when it does become, quote, unquote, free on Disney+, Plus, it's still worth your time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's not worth your time, but at the same time, I don't know if I would tell anyone to go out and buy it right now. There is a fair, there is a fair population that thinks that likes the film uh, and thinks it's you know a decent movie. So I mean, this is just our viewpoint, right? I I do want to note that uh, amongst more of the um, men our age, um, we're mostly all in agreement that we didn't quite like the film, but women that are most women would actually consider this like not bad like they would consider it decent that's a that's an that's yeah. an anecdotal it statement. is very anecdotal i was like i was like unless you did the research and statistically like surveyed they, women there i mean there there was kind of surveys done but it's not like it's not anything official but yeah for the most part it's anecdotal but a lot of it seems to be that women seem to like the message versus men. So that's really funny. Okay, well, this is a different, I guess, anecdote and then a different kind of pool, right? So I already told this to Jeff. So the only reviews I read for this movie, mm-hmm. I specific, I very specifically only read reviews that were written by Asian Americans. Okay. Right? I specifically only looked for those because I wanted that kind of insight. And most of the reviews I read were women. 
And most of them, actually all the women, I think I read their reviews, did not like this movie. Ooh, that is interesting. Okay. Actually, actually all the reviews I read didn't like this movie. All the- <laughs> so yeah, both men and women, but like I'm saying that most of the reviews yeah, that I read were women. Were women. But yeah, it, it was it's it's interesting. Like I don't know, like I didn't read any like I'm I'm curious, like the positive reviews out there for this, like what ethnicity they are, right? And like what kind of stance do they take on it? Yeah. Most of mine that I asked were were women that were Asian also. Look, if you're interested, I'm not gonna no one's gonna stop you from buying this. <laughs> if you really want to go watch it, I would say go for it. Or just wait. Just wait a couple months. I think you'll be out in a couple months and and I still think it's worth your time. Mm, it's worth a date night. I, I will give it the old Yoda uh the Yoda message. If into the holocron you look, only pain will you find. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. we're done now. All right. This, uh, I guess that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Art, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Mixed Bag of Nuts. Jeff? Uh, I have an Instagram at the.other.jy. And you can find me, Derek, at The Wrong Day. Day spelled D A Y I K. And I'm also on the Strange Harpers podcast where we're doing what we're calling the Hannibal Files. We are going back and re-watching the NBC series Hannibal, which is streaming now on Netflix. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts, or you want to yell at us uh, because you don't agree with us on Mulan, uh, (laughs) you can uh, email us at geeksinapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. See ya.